Oh, my friends, <clears throat> we are talking about, we're talking about sacred pace. We started that last week, and, and the general idea was that we needed to slow down. Well, as it's happened, um, my oldest is learning to drive, and this is the first time I've had to, to teach someone to drive, and what I discovered is you can't just say slow down. Like, it can't just be slow down, or in my case, slow down right now, but it, you, have to, you have to give them something to do with it. We're not, we're not just slowing down just, just for the purpose of slowing down. We're slowing down because we're going to make a quick turn or we're going to go around a traffic circle. You have to be doing something while you're slowing down. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what do we do if we're going to slow down long enough to, to listen, to align ourselves with God's will, what, what do we do in that slow down time to, to make it a productive time and to get to where God is calling us to be. So that's what we're going to do today. Let's, let's pray together and we'll study the word. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So <clears throat> have you ever gotten sick or, or had a nagging cough or broke your arm and you immediately called up your accountant? Or, or when you were getting ready to, to buy or, or sell a home, did you, did you call up your dentist for some advice? I, I really hope not. I, I hope that, that you would have thought that you needed to talk to someone with a, with a very particular set of expertise in that area, and that's who you would have called for help or assistance. But who do you call when you have to make major life decisions? I mean, the kind of decisions that we were talking about last week, major job changes or having children or making the move to go into a retirement community or, or to move back north closer to family. Now, I will tell you that there are loads of people who are very anxious to give you their unsolicited opinion and advise you in all of these things. But, but such major decisions as this require someone who can truly see the whole big picture and has the desire to give you the very best of everything. So the first thing in lining yourself up with God is getting yourself neutral and moving at a sacred pace that you can consult with your friend Jesus. And I know that that sounds so hokey, consult with my friend Jesus, but the more technical term it is the word abide. You heard David say it no less than 10 times just a minute ago. G and abide seems to require some, some sort of explanation. What does that mean? Well, Jesus said, abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, they're thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So the first thing that we see is that abiding in someone is to be connected to this life source. That is a very intimate connection. Babies abide in the womb until they are born. They are connected to a life source at every step 
of the way. This is as close as two people will ever get in this life. If Jesus is the source of life, which he claimed to be when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, we need to look at that intimate connection. Active abiding is the act of receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. Our connection to Jesus is rooted in trust. And so we have to trust that we have a God who wants the very best for us. And if you think about it, that makes sense because do you really want to worship a God who doesn't want the very best for you and who desires for you to live, not only live, but to thrive? who loves us with a love that is far greater than anything else that we have experienced on this side of glory. When we abide in Jesus, we are connected to the vine that allows for us to grow and produce and to thrive. Now, I want you to think about this idea of, of trusting that God is for us. Because that's, that's the first thing. It's, we're not just trusting God, we're also trusting that God is for us. Us, that he wants the best for us. How many other relationships, we're going to exclude marriage here, but how many other relationships do you have in your life where you can say with 100% absolute certainty that you completely trust that the other person in that relationship wants the very best for you at all costs? Now consider this. Consider like a financial advisor. This is someone that, that you're going to go to to get advice on some pretty major stuff, right? Because you're talking about your future, your present, really, really heavy stuff. And you know that if this goes wrong, your whole life could change in a moment. When that person is on the phone with you, they might be all in. You might be the center of their universe for the next five or ten minutes. But when that connection breaks, you're left standing there wondering if this person really has your best intentions at heart. Are they going to get something out of it? Did they steer you in one direction because it was the best thing for you or for the best thing for them? Do they really know what they're doing? And if we're honest, this is how we treat Jesus sometimes. We, we want to trust him. People around us, particularly church folks, seem to think that's a good idea. Yeah, let's, we'll all trust Jesus. But to trust God is, completely is an extraordinary leap of faith that, that many of us really struggle with. And so that's why, instead of taking the time to slow things down and to get on God's pace and align ourselves with his will, we just take things into our own hands, cross our fingers, and hope for the best. The difference between Jesus and our financial advisor is that when the financial advisor hangs up the phone, that connection is broken. He's going home. He's got his own family. He's got his own things going on. However, Jesus if we invite him, we'll come into our homes. He will set up shop in our neighborhood. He wants to be wherever it is that you are all the time so that the two of you can face all of these big life things together in every phase. 
Meaning that Jesus is not just around for a season. He doesn't have a retirement plan of his own. When I walked in this morning, two of our elders were having a discussion about finding an auto mechanic because both of their auto mechanics are retiring. Jesus is not going to retire on you. We're not going to be looking for somebody new. He is in this for the long haul, and he quite literally has some skin in the game when it comes to our future, and so he really cares about what's going on in our present. But just knowing that Jesus is there doesn't mean that we abide with him. I want you to think back to apartment living or, or dorm living. You have a bunch of people, they generally live in the same space, their address is pretty similar, but you don't abide with them. Just the other day, Sung and I were talking about the people that lived right next to us in seminary. Our doors, three feet apart. Three feet apart. I never set foot in their house. They never came into our house. The relationship was nothing more than a cursory hello coming and going to classes. All these years later, we kind of sort of think we remember their names, but not really. To be truly connected to someone, to, to abide in them, means that you have to communicate with them because how can you trust someone that you never talk to? Prayer opens up conversations with Jesus. Prayer is attention and affection passing between heaven and earth. Think about that. Your prayers open up this pathway that, that connects where you are with heaven. And it opens up the doors of heaven to reach you here on earth. When we pray to Jesus as a person and not as this vague concept, we remove a lot of the pressure that we put on ourselves because it's no longer about being good enough anymore, no longer seeing Jesus as some sort of spiritual Santa Claus, but instead enjoying the sweetness of friendship and doing life together. And the freedom that we have with Jesus is like no other that we will have here on earth because Jesus already knows. He already knows. He already knows what scares us, what we hide, what we want, what we're thinking, and yet the crazy part about it is he still sticks around. He knows everything about you and he still sticks around. A million years ago, when Pastor Sung and I were first dating, he came to visit me at, at Princeton. And this was really, really early on in, in our relationship, and we were still in that phase of getting to know each other. That's that phase where you want to like put out your best self, right? Because you, you want to impress this person. So he came up with this idea to go to a Korean restaurant. Well, I was 22 years old. I had never even had Chinese food before much less Korean food. So I decided that the best approach here was fake it till you make it. <laughs> now, in Korean restaurants, if you've never been to one before, the way this works is that they set out this whole table of, of what we would call side dishes. All these little dishes uh, with, with food, very, very little of which I actually recognized as food. But it didn't matter it didn't matter anyway what kind of food was on the table because the only thing available was chopsticks. And I did not know how to use chopsticks. So all in a matter of 15 minutes into an early date, Sung had managed to expose every single one of my weaknesses that I had spent a lifetime 
trying to hide. Things like, I don't like change. I want to stick with what I know. I don't like to be embarrassed. I don't want to bring attention to myself. I most certainly do not want to ask for anyone's help. I always want to appear as though I know what I'm doing. So I sat there while he ate. And I sat some more. And I sat some more. And I decided that the best move here was going to be to starve rather than make a fool out of myself. And it took him a good 15 to 20 minutes to realize that I was not eating. When he finally figured it out, he realized that I was not eating because I didn't know how to use chopsticks. And rather than to teach me how to use them, he called out clear across the restaurant that I needed a fork. So I want you to understand here we are in a place where I don't want anyone to know that I exist. And he's like, excuse me, excuse me, Korean restaurant, Thai restaurant, American restaurant down the street. I'd like all of you to hear, every one of you to hear. She needs a fork over here, right here, this one, right here. It was the worst. But I decided, I decided that now that I had the fork, I was really going to impress Sung. And I just took a stab at the first thing that was in front of me. It looked kind of suspect, but I was like, I can do this. I, I can do this. I just took this whole forkful and I put it right into my mouth and almost immediately I thought that I was going to catch on fire. <laughs> the, the burn was uncontrollable. My eyes were watering. My nose was running. I thought my heart was just going to come explode right out of my chest. It was this thing called kimchi. And kimchi is a fermented cabbage. It was never, ever intended to be eaten alone. If you go with a Korean person, they'll tell you, if they think about it, Pastor Sung, to mention <laughs> that you should probably eat it with some rice before you burn out all of your nose hairs. 19 years later, I still love Sung, but I hate going to Korean restaurants. <laughs> hate it. When it comes to Jesus, we can be our authentic selves right away. We don't have to try to sell ourselves to impress him. He's already aware of, of who we are and what our strengths and our challenges are. In many ways, this can save us a lot of time because we don't have to pretend. And we can just cut right to the chase knowing that Jesus loves us in spite of ourselves so we can trust him and we can communicate with him. As you seek to abide with Jesus so that you can consult with Jesus, there are some concrete things that you can do, some very concrete things. You can expect him. You can look for him. You can anticipate him just as you would do for anyone else that you long to see. When it's Sung's turn to pick up the kids from school, I eagerly anticipate that moment when they burst into the door or I burst in the door coming home from work and I scoop them up right away and I hug them and I want to hear all about their day every day. We can do this with Jesus as well. The next thing that we can do is that we can ask Jesus to direct our thoughts to this moment and to be present in this moment with us. Yes, we all want guidance for the future, but we make our plans for the future in the present. And so we want Jesus to be in this present moment with us. We can treat Jesus as we would a best friend. We can call on him 
throughout the day. Approach him with an open heart, ready to hear him, to know him, to include him in what we're doing. You can get to know Jesus via the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are eyewitness accounts of his life here on earth, and they not only introduced him to people throughout history, but they have breathed life into people's perceptions of Christ. I promise you that if you read the Gospels, the perceptions that the world has of Christ will be radically different from what you see in Scripture. Evaluate at the end of the day, when did I feel him most present? When did I feel him most distant? This will help you tune in to how much of your life is lived minus the awareness of God's presence in it. And this is not the same thing as taking note of every time Jesus doesn't validate exactly what you want to do. No, we're looking at being aware that he is with you, that he wants the best for you. You can do something that I think many of you would be left scratching your heads about because you assume that we do this already. Invite Jesus into your worship, your times of waiting, and your work. He promises in Scripture that that when we seek him with all of our hearts, he will be found. So the more that you conscientiously welcome him into these spaces, the more you're going to sense him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Finally, you can develop a grateful mindset. Those who have no joy naturally feel distant from the Lord. Carry with you a thankful heart, and you'll be able to see the one who loves you more clearly. Deschardin expressed this best when he said, joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. If you're making decisions and you can't find joy in them, even the really, really hard ones, it's worth asking yourself, have I consulted my friend Jesus? Because Jesus concludes this part of the passage by saying, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So if you are cut off from joy, there's a good chance that you've cut off Jesus somewhere along the way. Accepting Jesus's invitation to abide in him and in the love of God is the first step in aligning ourselves with God's will for our lives. We might not know exactly where we're going, but we move forward in the confidence of knowing that we're going with Jesus. And that, that's our most excellent path to follow. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you came to us in the form of Jesus, someone who was very real and very tangible and very accessible to us, someone who can come alongside of us as our friend, who is also our Savior. Because he is our Savior, we know that he wants the very best for each one of us. And so we give you thanks for Jesus Christ, for his presence in our life, and we invite him in to walk with us every step of the way. In your name we pray. Amen.